Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered coming your way right now, episode number 32. This is my second installment in what I've been calling the Life Pod series. And we're going to get into a number of different things and talk today about some real life and some sports and tell some stories. And even though, and, and I always pull back the curtain, and that's really what Unfiltered is about because to me why I started it and wanted it to be this way. Love me or hate me, you're going to get me. And I want people to know me. That's what creating relationship is about. I literally, all I have for today's show is this little piece of paper with a bunch of circles. That's it. Some things I knew I wanted to hit, and we're going to take it wherever it goes. I may get to half of them, may get to one of them, we'll see what happens here. But, and I appreciate Unfiltered Band. They always happen, and you should be part of the Unfiltered Revolution, as you can look right there, and you could see. Uh, at Casey Stern, jump in on Twitter. If you're watching on the uh, YouTube channel, uh, you could jump in on the YouTube channel and get that in my Twitter bio. If you're sitting there and you're listening on your podcast and Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else, you get your pods. And, you know, obviously, most of what I predominantly will do will be sports with guests and myself. But... I'm a big believer in, as a fan of sports, right? Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. I've been watching these, these A&E documentaries. I haven't watched wrestling in years. I used to watch it all the time. I haven't watched it in years. And I've been watching these, these documentaries that A&E has done and these biographies. I just watched the one with Kurt Angle. It is, like, so unbelievably inspiring because regardless of what you could hear somebody in that business talk about when they say, okay, here's what a match is like and here's you know, how you set it up and all of that, and that stuff's fun. Getting to know the people behind the curtain and pulling that curtain back, you know what that does Like for me as a fan? I don't know how it is for all of you, but for me, it humanizes everything. It reminds you that regardless of what you know somebody as, an athlete, a broadcaster, a wrestler, a parent, a teacher, doesn't matter. We very rarely know who they are. And I think what brings us closer together is knowing who they are. And the way I look at this unfiltered revolution, I've talked about this, is something that I, I will be on here for the rest of my life, however long that goes. No matter how many, you know, God bless knock on wood, you know, TV gig or whatever happens in my career moving forward from here as I'm chasing back my own dreams. This will be the most important thing I do because there's no difference between me and you. I'm, I'm not, there's no better, I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're people. Athletes aren't better than you. You're not better than them. They're people. You could take 100 people in the family feud thing I always bring up, and regardless of what walk of life they're from or what they do for a living, there are going to be some people that suck. There are going to be some people that change your life. There are going to be some people you want to spend your life with. That's just people. doesn't matter what they do for a living. It's all the same. They're all the same. Well, you know, same blood, same, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, 
Same problems, same issues, same life things. And that's important for me to share. That's important for me to be a part of. Now, I, I'll tell you this, and, I, and I, I consciously think of this over the course of my career. And I, I, look, I've always, even before I went through family stuff or whatever, like I've always been this way, always. Anybody who's listened to me for the last 20 years, I've always been this way. I'm the overshare, tell stuff. I, I don't, it's part of what to me creates and created for me, God bless, a relationship for you know, almost 20 years on radio and specifically in the same slot for 13 years where everybody knew where they'd find me and knew what they could expect from me. That I'm going to be honest. Doesn't mean that my truth is yours. Doesn't mean that you have to agree with what I say. But I ain't going to make up a bunch of crap just to get attention or to make you like me. It's not who I'm about. It's never been who I'm about. As we're going to discuss in this pod, one of the things that I want to get into, and I've, I've talked about this briefly at times. I've never gone into it before publicly, but I want to because I want people who are going through it to know I'm, you're just a person, and it's okay. But I've dealt with self-esteem issues most of my life, issues with my weight most of my life, bullying, all sorts of stuff. So is a lot of people out there. doesn't mean it's more important than I did or that you did, but I want people to know it's okay to admit that you did. It's okay that you do if you're grinding it every day. It's why I'm so open. And I've consciously thought about, look, you could even see it's tangible. I may mention things that, not just in a pod, in a tweet that are like personal that aren't just me breaking news for sports or you know, giving you my opinion on the Mets or whoever. And I'll go back like an hour later and I'll look at the top of my thing and there's like 50 followers that are gone. 50 people who immediately were like, I don't really care what the hell you are as a human. And, and that's going to happen. That's okay. I mean this. If 2,000 people hear this and are like, you know, 2,000 of the people who, hopefully it's of the people. 2,000 of the people who hear this are like, screw that. I don't want to be a part of what this guy's doing because I don't care about that. That's totally fine. I'm still going to do it because that's who I am. Yeah, I want my kids to grow up knowing that their father was fallible and far from perfect. But he tried to be authentic. Tried to live life as himself. Not as what somebody else wanted. It's the most important lesson I've learned in my whole life. And I failed in that lesson many times in my life. It took a long time for me. Shoot, I was probably 38. When I first realized that was a problem for me, I mean, that's only like six years ago. But I want to get into a lot of it. And the first thing I wrote down it, it, to kind of answer why. Well, why? I could just do sports. Fine. This isn't about like me proving to you that it's not about shut up and dribble. This isn't about... You know, me, like when I did the thing with the vaccinations with the Royals, you know, trying to like stand on some soapbox and, and split politics. Again, things you shouldn't do. It's just I'm just going to be honest. My truth. You know, honest doesn't mean right, by the way. This is another thing people don't understand. Being honest doesn't mean that I'm going to be right. I could be wrong, but I'm at least going to tell you what I think or what I feel. And that's about sports, how I've lived my whole life as somebody in this business. It's how I'm going to be here, too. I remember one of the, the moments in my career 
that I remember vividly pulling back the curtain for you. For those who remember the, and I love Buck Walter, and I, st- I did then, I st- obviously different now, right? But for those who remember the Obaldo Jimenez scenario in the playoffs, and I've told this story before, but that was Jimmy J. Roll's first uh, postseason with us, and I remember when I saw Obaldo Jimenez was going in that game, I told him to, we were, we were like supposed to be like all ready to go on the set whenever it ends. You're in extra innings. Anybody who works in this business knows if you want to know how that goes, it's, you're either waiting on set watching or you're like in a nearby green room and then like the, they'll buy you like a three-minute commercial break or whatever the interview is on the field and you better like get your fannies in the seats, right? That's where we were at that point. When I saw that Obaldo was coming in instead of Zach Britton, this is totally true, I told him to get his, get his shoes on. We're going on set. This game's over, right? This doesn't mean I'm a genius. It was, it was not a smart decision. Well, the great managers, I always say this, smart people do dumb things. Great people can do bad things. Bad people can do the right thing. You know, there's a reason why it's like Jose Canseco, like for all the stuff that he did that you don't like, it doesn't, I always said this way back when, and I was on air during all of that. It doesn't mean what he wrote in the book wasn't true. Both could be the same. They're not mutually exclusive. I told Jimmy to put his shoes on, and he was out on the set, and so were all of us. Why do I bring that up? As we were discussing what had happened, and if you remember this on air, this played out on air. I remember Pedro, and I love Pedro, and I think it was more Pedro than Jimmy and Chef because he's a pitcher. But really, all three guys discussing that closers come in during save opportunities. Now, that is not their fault. That's a life they lived. That's a life we lived as fans for a long time. I was in, I think it was my first postseason. I think it's 2014. Maybe it was, no, it was Jimmy, so it couldn't have been. Um, maybe this is like third, first two were Dusty, so maybe the third time around, right? I remember. And it was not a long time, but that five minutes, thinking to myself, if I stand where I, as a host, believe is the right thing that needs to be brought up here and discuss, I'm going to have three guys I absolutely respect who, who the hell am I? Look what these three guys have done. Who are A, not going to agree with me. B, it may make me look foolish, even though they like me personally, we got along. And see, it's not my job really as the host to be an analyst. I know my role when I'm hosting a talk show versus teeing up guys that are at a Hall of Fame level on a set. All right? And even though Pedro's the only one in right now, all three of those guys are that. Right? So I remember going through that. It was, it was a long five minutes. These are real things that happen. But the reason I bring this up is I, I did bring it up. It was the first thing I said, and I went right into it as soon as we came on set. And it became one of the better decisions I made in my career because it was the right thing to do. It wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't a comfortable thing to do. I could feel the tension while I was doing it. You don't want to lose respect from guys that you've fought so hard to earn it from, and you're not even in their category. I mean, I'm just a, a host on the set. My job is to make, you know, I, I always used to say, and it's so true, like a host on a set like that, like we're the pocket square. Now, as a talk show host, different. You know, when I was doing Afternoon Drive for 12 years, I mean, that's different. That's my show, and that's, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like, you know, that's expected that that's, you know, I'm, I'm carrying weight there. Here, I'm a pocket square. I'm, I'm that one thing to accentuate how good your suit already looks and make it look better. 
But I remember going in that five minutes in my own head, like, is this a, what do I do? And it was the right thing to do. But I bring it up because even in that kind of a career decision for me, which is like a small thing, there's a blip for anybody else. But for me, it was a, it was a big thing at the time. Like, what was I going to do? I, wa- I had to be authentic. I wasn't going to fake it to make them like me even. And I wanted them to like me way more than I wanted you to like me. Truth. Wanted them to respect me way more than I wanted you to respect me. Not because they're better than you, but because, A, that was my job, and I couldn't do it without that, and B, it's not easy. Nobody thinks I'm I'm hitting a fastball anytime soon, right? Even though I covered two of those guys, well, they played. I mean, it's like it's, you know, and Pedro had two different cities. It's like still, I'm I'm not a baseball player. Right. That's just fact that we always try and do like, you know, you know, and I hate when we get on like GMs who never played like that's not look to do that. First of all, I don't need that hitting coach who never hit. I could have the conversation with you, but it's like that's what makes the guys like Eric Spolster like such an amazing story in a guy who understood and learned the game the way he did as a video guy. And they got the respect of the LeBron Jameses and the Shaq and all these people that have played for. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's one of the best coaches of all time. But that's hard. People never respect enough how hard that is to gain that respect. You know, I, I, my guy, Bake, Dusty Baker walks in. Dusty Baker hit behind Hank Aaron. I mean, this is, this is Dusty Baker. You're already coming in with cachet. It's not, you know, Eric Spolstra, it's not easy, right? But I'm not going to pretend that I don't feel something for somebody else's benefit. Now, I'll be totally honest with you and transparent through all of this as we go in this revolution all the time. As with what I'm about to say, it hasn't made everything in my life get better. There have been a lot of times in my life where I have been transparent and told what I'm feeling, and it has bit me in the ass over and over again. Plenty. Ironically, maybe because I'm foolish, even though one or two of those things with people in my life have been destructive to years of my life, I don't regret them because I was honest about how I felt, because I was honest about who I am. I, I will regret when I'm not. I will regret when I hold it in. I've had plenty of that. And we'll get into that here in this pod because many of you go through that. The, the thing, the last thing I want to say before I get started on some of the things I wanted to hit today, and again, this is, you know, the second installment of the LifePod series, and I really, I'll be totally, again, being fair with you, I didn't know there was going to be a second installment, and I had some people reach out to me and write me some really nice notes about the first one, and those were kind of like minimal things I was sharing, and a lot of them humor-wise, and I don't care if it's seven people writing me a note, and hopefully there were more than that that felt it, that didn't. If one person is bettered because somebody that they listen to is willing to admit publicly that they go through the same things they do, I'll do this every day. I'll have life pod series every freaking day for the rest of my life. That to me is what's important in life. Those kind of things have reached out to me and spoken to me with people I don't even know when I've seen them and those kind of stories and the inspirations of what people have gone through. I'm no better than anybody. And I'm not, you know, saying that anything I'm doing is inspiring. I've got a, a ridiculous-looking headset on that looks like I'm going to beam up to space, right? 
I'm hunched over here, and my back is always hurting after these podcasts because you know, I, I've worked in radio studios my whole life and with headsets with mics my whole life. And with the podcast setup, I still am a work in progress <laughs> figuring all this out. But that's because I'm honest. Who cares? It's like nobody would admit that. Who cares? We can not like me because of that? Good. Screw you then. I don't care. Fine. I'm like the hunchback of, of Notre Podcast when I do this. It's fine. Making you look at my face, which, you know, I, I don't wish on anybody. So hopefully you're listening to the podcast. Um, but I, it's what made me do this second one. And I'll do a lot of these in different ones. And, you know, I, I want to have and I'm, I'm working through the thought process and reaching out to guests around table and anxiety that I'm going to do with some people that are, are athletes. And we did something like this on MLB Network Radio when I was there. I'm going to do one on the pod where you'll get to see everybody. And that's going to be coming up here in the next couple of months. Because I think it's important. I, I think some of these stories, I mean, these are the stories that inspire me. Like, you know, shoot, you, you got 50, 60,000 people who are booing you and are ripping you to shreds. And you go 0 for 4. And you got a real life. And nobody cares about your real life. That's the first thing I wanted to hit. The first thing I wrote down was players in real life. In my time covering the game, I have had so many times that I've gotten to know an athlete and found out way later, some of them during their careers, and maybe it just happened months ago or at the end of the year, right? Some of them after their careers are over, where I wish I could have had back the opportunity to respect how difficult that time period was for these people. People going through terrible divorces, people going through illnesses with kids, people going through situations of anxiety and low self-esteem. You know, only now, and, and God bless, the Kevin loves of the world and some of the people who have been so honest about things like this. Do you know how many players are going? First of all, let me tell you something. Everyone has some level of anxiety. That's number one. Number two, Every athlete has some level of anxiety. Every person who's a performer of any kind, even doing what I do, has some level of anxiety. Every person that goes on stage anywhere has some level of anxiety. Any person who goes in front of a classroom has a level of anxiety. Any person who goes through their driver's test, follow me, has some anxiety. Who's been in a car accident, then the next time they go out, has some anxiety. Who's been in a bad relationship, the next time they ask somebody out, has some anxiety. This is not something to be ashamed of at all. At all. But one of the things that I'm going to talk about a lot as we go through this revolution together, and if I remember to, and this will be funny, let's see if I do, because I, I never know what the title of the episode is going to be. It's like you write a song and I write music also. For those of you who've seen that on YouTube, I mean, and I apologize for what it's done to you and put you in therapy probably for having to listen to me, but I, I've written music for 18 years and lyrics, and I used to write poetry when I was a kid, and all sorts of stuff. I love to write. But you never know what the title is going to be till it's over. Now, sometimes that doesn't make sense, like Stone Temple Pilots with the, the song Plush. It's not even written in there, right? But we all have different stories that we put together, and then it's like, you know, okay, what, what encapsulates this? The title of what I at least plan to put this as, it's okay not to be okay. Athletes don't get to live that, though. 
do we realize that? Now, I'm not saying every – look, they make a lot of money. They live a special life. They get to do special things. They get to be a part of things that we're not a part of. They play a game that we love as fans. And all of those things are totally true, people, right? Like, they're totally true. But do we ever think about the fact, like, they're not – forget about, like – we're talking about, like, you know, issues with, you know, illness and mental illness and things like that. Forget about just even to that extent – they're not allowed to not have a headache. They're, they can't admit it. You have a headache, you're weak. What are you trying to give me an excuse, right? You don't want to hear a pitcher tell you he's sick afterwards, do you? Now, it may be true, and maybe we couldn't pitch that way either. We don't want to hear it. Well, yeah, you know what? If you had a back issue, you shouldn't have showed up. I mean, think about the kind of things that we say, right? Athletes are never allowed to be okay. It's amazing how we just, like, we live and survive in some kind of belief that that that's what's not okay that we even believe that that's a thing. Of course it's okay for them not to be okay now, but we don't want to hear an excuse. They are supposed to be like super. They're, they're, no. Where's your adamantium, your Wolverine, right? Like, where are you? Like, no. Like, if Max Scherzer, who just pitched brilliantly again, what if he pitched, like, terribly yesterday? And what if it was, heaven forbid, a true story that, like, somebody died in his family, and he told us, you have people saying, I don't want to hear about that. You showed up. I mean, literally, welcome to the world, people. It's pretty awful. You know, we could all talk about, you know, it's, it's okay not to be okay, and it is. And athletes are starting to be more present in that. But even the Kevin Loves in a lot of them have gone through it most of their career, and now towards the end of their career, where they realize no one's expecting as much of them, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's just human nature, and being honest, they're more willing to admit it. I'm more willing to admit it now than I would have been if you asked me to, like, hey, start a postseason that way on Turner, right? We're all that way. That's truth. That's being authentic. That's being honest, right? Whether it's right or wrong, that's being honest. That's why I got on Whit Merrifield about the vaccinations. You don't think vaccinations are your thing. And look, JT Realmuto stuck with it, right? You don't put things in your body. Whether I agree with it or not, if that's the way you roll, that's the way you roll. But if it's a bunch of bullshit and then you're going to tell me if the team's better, I'll do it, then that's what I have a problem with. You know why? Because that's not real. That's not authentic. You're not telling me what is true. You're telling me what I want to hear. I don't tell people what they want to hear. It's a big problem in my life, I promise you. It's not always good. I won't do that. You know why? People have done that for me and been fake with me my whole life. My whole life has been about people lying to me over and over again. Almost outside of my mother, almost every single person I have ever trusted has betrayed me in a way I couldn't even explain to you in public. Almost everyone. Now, there are a lot of people that live that. But why am I willing to admit it? Because you're not alone if that's happened to you. Doesn't make me any better. Doesn't make you any better. We're all humans. That's how we learn from each other and help each other. But I have people be fake with me my whole life, tell me I was like, you know, the earth, and then treat me like I was like, you know, some corner on some street nobody ever heard of in, in the middle of nowhere, right? So I, if people live that life, hey, I want you to know, like, I've been there. I don't know how you get past it. We get past it together, right? But an athlete can't say any of that. Now, they can feel the same things. They're not impervious. It's like just because they're an athlete, what do you think they like? I don't have feelings because I will go three for four. And, but sometimes what happens, and I've talked to athletes, and we're going to do some round tape, then only get the good feeling. And I've lived this. I, I have lived this. 
they only get the good feeling from that moment. They only get the good feeling from that moment. So I, let, me, let me level with you. In moments in my life where I've had that, where I've been on the air, there are times where I have not listened back to a, a radio show that I've done like in years time period. Like even if it was like a postseason one and, and like I wouldn't like if their clip came up or something of like an interview in a clubhouse, I'd be like, oh, I forgot what he said. But, you know, I tweeted out it when there's Twitter, but I don't listen him back. When I've been at the low points in my life, I watch my own reel, which you could find on YouTube with Shaq caressing me. Half the views are probably me. During the low points in my life to remind me where I was and what I need to do to get there. That's something nobody would admit. You know why I do? Not because I'm an asshole, but because it's honest. Because that's what people should be. Because that's what everyone else does and won't admit. It's what everybody would do and not admit it. Because why? Then you're judged. It's all we are. But for an athlete, for them to live that way all their life, I can't even imagine what that's like. You're not allowed to feel anything. Even doing what I do, it's like, okay, like, I'm allowed to, you know, I, look, I could do, it's my podcast here, I could do whatever I want, but it's like, you know, I, an athlete can have his own podcast, a lot of them do, they can't do that, many of them do it after their careers, look at it, I mean, I, you know it as well as I do, that's why I give the Kevin Love so much credit, it is difficult, the things that like Copex of the world and Danny Duffy who does not really want to even talk about it, but they kind of kind of slipped out. You think about some of the athletes that currently are going like it is. This is not easy talking to guys like and I'm going to have them on like like Saxy, like Steve Sachs about things they went through. It's it's not easy. It's not easy. Which is just uh, when I was at this. Um, the event that I was at with the the uh, the high end uh, youngins here in Cartersville, some of the top talent in the uh, country. I had a, a great conversation with, who I hadn't seen in a while, with uh, Bucky, with John Buck, and about him going through stuff I didn't, had no idea. Like most of these athletes, they can't even tell you what they've gone through. Because even though some of us, and we're all saying, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't think badly of him. I wouldn't tweet at him. I wouldn't tell my friends, like, who cares? Like, I, I wouldn't do that. But you know what? You may not, but your neighbor or your friend or your brother or your sister or your mother, somebody would. Because in every group, there's a somebody who wouldn't. You know what? All it takes is that somebody to make that person feel like they should never open their mouth again. I know I've, I've lived that. I've lived that. It's quieted me for years at a time. I've lived it. Fear has quieted me for years at a time. Yeah. I was too afraid to tell anybody anything. I have had months and months, like in a row, consecutive, at different points in my life, where I have told every single person that has ever asked me that I'm fine. And not one time was I telling the truth. Now, was I, you know, broken? No. Was I able to function and go to work every day or at times when I was be a father or even before that, right? Go to school or whatever. Yeah. Fine. That was fine to me. <laughs> you know, I, I said years ago in, in an interview I did and it just came out. I, I Not a real quote. It's, you know, it hasn't hit like the prospects are cool thing, but it's just, it's something that I live by. The minute you accept being good, You've assured that you'll never be great. What does that mean to me? And it, it kind of like, 
it was it's taken a different way and it's and it's okay and that's you know sometimes what's great about like the way you internalize things you know it's taken as like which is also true like career-wise right for you or whatever you do hey i'm in a good place but i can't settle right hey i'm in a good relationship but it's not good enough i don't want to settle those things and those i've lived those too those are true but actually what it was to me really how many times i've told people in my life i'm good because they don't want to hear it because I can't live in that space because then I'll feel it and I got to try and be numb. And then the other part, which is worse than the first two, is they're going to look bad on me. And I got people talking about me behind their backs. I got people in my family. I got friends, even the closest people to me who now are not respecting me because I have admitted vulnerability and weakness, which all of us have. Ted, months and months in my life, I have told I'm fine to everyone who's asked, and I have lied every single time. Many of you who are watching this or listening to this right now have lived that too. Many athletes who are watching or listening to this right now have lived that too. So how do we get out of it? Well, that's why to me, it's okay not to be okay. Look, you're going to have situations where people, that's going to mean that, heaven forbid, they're hurting themselves and they're all the way to the point of not feeling comfortable in their own skin and they need somebody to realize they're reaching out for help. And it could be as simple as, I don't feel like I'm good enough and it's hard to get up in the morning and feel good about myself. Yeah, I've lived in that space. Many of you have. We all have at certain points in our life. Do you know how many people we know and how many of you listening who may fall in the category of you haven't told a soul? That, that is not because you're a bad person. That's not because, you know, oh, you're weak. It's because the society that we live in has told us it's not okay. You can't admit it. I watched one of the best humans I've ever known. literally disappear from what they were in their own mind. And if you asked me what happened more than anything else, they were afraid to admit to their own family that they weren't okay. And then it, it that kind of thing, and I've seen it, it spirals to the point where you're, you're almost like a fake identity, even though you're not fake. And this person is, is real and genuine. I mean, I... You know, I, with my, outside of my kids and my mother, probably the best person I've ever known. That person was gone. But because it was so long for them to get help, because they never admitted that there was anything wrong with them. And there's nothing wrong with them at all. There's nothing wrong with you if you, whether it's you're depressed or have anxiety or have an illness or have self-esteem issues. And, and look, we've all had those sorts of things at different points. It doesn't matter. Depression. We've all, you ever have somebody pass away in your family we all live depression right so there's nothing wrong with it and i've always lived and believed that i have never i there are a lot of things i've look even my especially in my 20s like i it took me a long time to grow up right so i didn't there are ways that i treated people i wish i didn't there were times i was selfish that i wish i wasn't that i can't go back and fix now but I can honestly tell you at no point in my life have I ever felt badly about a person because they 
we're not feeling right or we're sick or we're worse ever. Not one time my whole life. Not, not for a minute. Not once. I think that's because I live that and because I've seen that. I've seen it in my family and then lived it with as important a person as I'd ever known. But it's why for me, and I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm, I'm in the, and it's one of my favorite quotes, do what you can until you can do what you want, right? And I'm in that spot now because I'm doing what I can to try and you know, rebuild my career and get back to where I believe I'm good enough to be. And you know, it's the only thing I didn't lose self-esteem in probably in my life is the fact that, you know, yeah, I know I'm good at what I do. Not in some cocky way. But I, I believe it. I just never believed in the person when this mic was off. There are a lot of people that are athletes that live that. They're not, they're afraid to say it. Why? Now I'll tell you, I've had people in my life who have used this against me. There are times in the past where I have even, in passing in a show or something, and this is true, Talked about my anxiety. So I, I was open about the fact I got diagnosed with anxiety when I was, I don't know, I was in my 20s. And I talked about it for the first time a few years ago on air, right? And then ended up being very much more open with it. I even talked about it on TV a couple of times. When I went and talked about that for the first time, I had people in my life try and use that against me as some kind of an example that there was something wrong with me. True. That's very true. Not that I was, look, this is not a backpat, but this is for those people who are afraid, right? When you're afraid to talk about stuff like that, it's because you're afraid that someone's going to think bad of you. What you want is people who support you that say, hey, because look, the way I look at it, and this is like not in the not to be a dick category, it takes a lot of strength to do what I'm doing even right now, right? Because it's not only the strength of a human, forget that, it's the strength of the desire I have to reach out and to try and inspire people. And that's why I was saying like, you know, do what I, I can until I can do what I want. Not only do I wanna you know, delve deeply back into the foundation I tried to create, but I, I wanna dedicate my life, literally, to helping people who have people in their family who they are having trouble helping. Going through that changed my life. And I can't do anything about it now. Once I rebuild my career and I get a bigger voice, I'm going to dedicate my whole life to that outside of being a father. That's going to be two for me. It's been literally in, in my head for I don't even know how many days in a row that that is literally is on my list of things that I, I'm going to do because I think it's very, very important that people understand that it is okay not to be okay. You support people when they're willing to be. For somebody to be honest with you about that is such an emotional thing and so private and personal. It should be taken as pride that you're proud of them for doing it. I've been put down even for admitting having there. First of all, after COVID, I think everyone's been diagnosed. With, if, if you haven't been diagnosed with anxiety, it's because you just haven't gone to be diagnosed with anxiety, all right, of some level, right? It's basically stress. There's a really fine line there, okay? There's a really fine line there. But 
Because the last time that I felt like anxiety was debilitating for me, I was probably like 27. And that's 16 years, 17 years ago. It's a long time. Okay, thankfully, knock on wood. But now other things have gone through, but just life things like anybody else would. Anxiety, we all have anxiety. But nobody should be afraid of telling someone that or be afraid of admitting to somebody that they care about who they are because and what they're going through and then think that person's going to think less of me. That's atrocious. But that's the way this world learns. That's the way we learn. And as a father, you know, I wrote down fatherhood. I'm, I'm not going into much of that here in this, this pod. And look, I've, I've already spoken my piece. And the rest of my speaking with my kids will be done as a dad. To make sure their life is the best it could be. But one thing I say about fatherhood, you start to think about your kids are going to follow you. You know, I, I, I say this. My mother is probably the strongest person I've ever met, right? And you know, I hope she's not listening. She'll go get tissues. I think she tells me she listens to everyone, but they're all sports, and she listens to some of them. <laughs> Hopefully not this one. Um, but she's the strongest person I've ever met, right? Had two jobs, was a single mom with me and my sister, and I knew what was going on and knew how hard things were for her. She never admitted it to me, ever, ever. She still will, you know, ask me to lean on her. I refuse to because it's hard for me because I know what she went through, but she's the strongest person I know. But I, I've learned as a father, like, I get it. Like, I get, you just want your kids to learn that it's okay to be kids. You just want your kids to learn that, you know, a parent as a role model is not about being some superhero, but it's about being an example. When they get in this moment, what should they do? I haven't done all of those things right. No parent will. We're all learning. But that's what like parenting is to me. But I don't want them to grow up thinking that like their own father was afraid to admit, yeah, I've had anxiety for 20 years. Who cares? I was on national television doing the NCAA tournament and did it for three years. I wasn't even a college basketball fan since like St. John's like debunked because I grew up watching them other than the tournament for like, and I had to like learn and like people were around me could tell you like, hundreds and hundreds of pages of studying. And I was afraid out of my mind. Like I had no idea if it was like going to be good enough. And then the first year, I mean, I never forget. Like I, I, I said, cause of my bad accent, I said, I'm from Long Island. I said, Nevada instead of Nevada. You know, when you're in, you know, New York grow your whole life, you know, Vegas, nobody talks about the state much. Right. And we don't say the university of, you know, for UNLV, we just say UNLV. So for me, it was like, you know, my parents would still say, you know, Florida, you know, I don't really do that, you know, or, or Oregon, right. Instead of Oregon, this is how I grew up. So I, it wasn't like a personal thing. I had people in Nevada want to kill me. Like, I mean, he was getting these tweets, like, angry to you. Oh, you no business being – and that, like, made me feel terrible because I was like, oh, shoot. Like, there, I left, like, some, you know, synapse between all the stuff I learned of, like, that of all people. But I did that and was able to, like, do a – like, you know, let me tell you something. You could do a, a lot of amazing things in life and, and have anxiety or have depression or have whatever it is that you're going through. You know, people who have, you know, issues what, what George Springer has done with kids and talking about, you know, you know, having a, a speech impediment and all of that. I mean, it's and, and helping kids and stories I know about him spending time with kids. Pe everybody's got something. 
The only people who look down on people who say it are the people who spent years like me telling everyone they're fine and they're lying. Either to impress their friends or their family or their Twitter followers or whoever. And I lived that. I watched that. Watched the inability of a family and a friend circle to accept somebody and what they were going through turn into the demise of somebody for what they were going through. That should never happen in life. We should be lifting these people up. But what happens is people become so afraid to admit what they're going through. Imagine being an athlete. I don't even know how they do it. No idea how they do it. No idea. You know, we, we think we understand. I mean, look, you know, I could, I could turn Twitter off. I have no problem admitting, again, things people would never say. Oh, I've muted my Twitter before. I just didn't want to see it. When I wasn't a part of the first postseason I wasn't a part of, and then I wasn't on radio, regardless of what I had done, why, it didn't matter. That, that was, you know, when I was five, I was raising my hand saying I want to do this. I turned my Twitter off. For those of you who follow me, you remember the time I wasn't on Twitter? Whatever the heck I said it was for, I was afraid. It hurt my feelings so bad. Not that I don't wish you know, joy for anyone else, no matter what they were doing. But I didn't want to see it. I remember being at my window, doing my kids' laundry, with all kinds of files, stuff everywhere. I had things going on and, and no job. And the NBA Finals are going on. I couldn't watch a minute. I watched this past Finals, and it was like a big moment for me. Couldn't watch the last one. Not a minute. I didn't watch, and I love basketball. And I covered it and did three finals or four. Couldn't watch a minute. Didn't watch a minute of the NCAA tournament for two years. That's real life. Most people wouldn't admit that. Why? Like, you're going to at me like, oh, there's something wrong with him? Now, the crazy part is somebody will. Somebody will. You go through life and you get people in your life, whether, and look, it doesn't have to be you know, family, even though in my case it is, like, it doesn't matter who it is, you're going to have people who, like, literally are going to find things. They're trying to, like, for me, these kind of things show somebody and their strength, not a weakness. That's how I look at it. And I want somebody else to be able to, to because I want to be able to lean on you. I'm going to have sometimes where some of you are going to tell me stories, and it happens all the time if you look at my Twitter, where, I mean, a lot of it, sometimes it's in DMs, but people will share stories, and they, they're life-changing, I'll lean on you. I use quotes all the time and admit like, hey, I mean, that Oprah quote that I've brought up in the four pods has changed my, it is literally stamped in my brain every day to make sure that I never forget the people who riding this bus with me when the limo broke down and that I never, ever, ever in my own mind forget every day of my life to say I told you so with the way I act to the people who jumped off when the limo broke. Every day, every day. Even been on network for four minutes or six minutes, whatever it was. When I was looking at that screen, I didn't see Alana Rizzo. I didn't see myself. I saw every person who has tried to bring me down and tell me that I'm not good enough. Everyone. I don't ever say it. Ever. But I will with how I act. I will when I get back on top. I will with the father I'm going to be for my kids. A lot of you live that kind of thing. I want people to know that you're not alone. When I'm down, I want you to lift me up. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. We are in a world where it's not okay. 
the whole point of this is like, and it's like when I told the, the stories about, and I'll tell many more, you know, bad dates and, you know, geez, I told the story about when I was doing a sit-up and, you know, the whatever that presidential, I don't even know, what is the word I'm looking for? Like where they, you, what percentile you're in in school, like, you know, how many pull-ups, and I was doing a sit-up and I farted in front of this poor kid. I was like eight. It was, it, it was, it was, it was not a good moment for me, right? It's not a good time. Go ahead, tell everyone you know. Do you think I care? The people who care have lived what I've lived most of my life, and that is being afraid to be who you are. That's the worst feeling in the world. I sit here today, as I look 44 minutes and 20 seconds into discussing with you all of this, and I could discuss it for another 44 hours. And it's not going to change the fact that there will be tomorrow somebody or somebody's or unfollowers or people who are going to you know, tell me that uh, you know, this is some sign of there's something wrong with me, and I laugh. I, I literally laugh at them, honestly. It's like because they have no concept. The people who feel that like, don't understand that they're the problem, not me, right? But it's like every day of my life, I'm trying to remind myself I know I'm good enough because of how many people have put me down, insulted, and bullied me my whole life. I have a book in the other room, like just opening up. And I, w I wish I had it here. I'd show it to you. I have a book that I just bought called Being Nice. It's called Being Nice or Not. I think it's called Not Nice. It's by a doctor. I just bought it. The entire book is for people who, like me, have lived much of their life with low self-esteem and have been pushovers. I have had people drag me through mud you would not even believe. If I told you, you wouldn't believe me. That I was good to because I've been a doormat, because I've accepted having no boundaries in my life, because I've accepted people bullying me and insulting me because I went through it a lot as a kid, a lot, a lot. Because I remember not taking a shirt off at the beach for several years because I was so embarrassed of my weight. I remember not going to parties because I was embarrassed to talk to people because I would think they thought I was fat. True. And then had people who know those stories in my life literally chastise me for not taking pictures without even realizing what they were doing. I'm not embarrassed about that. I'm not embarrassed to share that. You know why I share that? Because it's a lot of people who are going to watch or listen to this who are feeling the same things. And like, man, like, and look, I'm no, trust me, I'm no hero at all. Like, I'm just a dude, okay? I like sports. I like video. I'm, I'm the guy who literally, two hours ago, just called up Francisco Alvarez on my Mets season that I'm doing an MLB The Show because I don't want to wait anymore, and I'm bringing the dude up, and I'm hitting him sixth. That's who I am. I'm no different than any of you. Am I embarrassed by that, that I'm 45 and play that game? Nope, I'm not. Did it take me a long time to be this open with people and realize that it wasn't me, it was them that are the problem? You're damn right. It took me like 42 and a half years. That's something I only realized like eight months ago. So maybe 43. Yeah. But we're all that way. I want people to know it's like, you know, look, and it's, that's why... You know, the story's about, jeez, the, the dates. I'll tell you anything you want to I'm a real person, just like anybody else. Just like anybody else. 
No different. But I've spent most of my life being two different people. I've had to be strong since I was a kid. I've had to be a parent since I was a kid. I've then been in the public eye or had a job where it's like the red light is on, so you get to like, hey, show off time, right? It's like, you know, made it easier sometimes because it's like an escape, and, you know, and I love what I do, right? And I'm trying to entertain, but I've always been a people pleaser. My whole life is about, I just want people to be happy. I just want to entertain people. But then it becomes you try too hard. And all of it goes back to where I was in the beginning. What is an athlete supposed to do? They're trying to please you with their performance. The best thing they could do is go three for four or score 30 points. I can't even imagine. I've talked to many of them, and I'm fascinated by it over the years. Like, how? Because... The, the general thing, and I'll give you a weird example. So I used to be in sales many, many years ago, all right? And I remember I was working in a sales job. I was actually working in the same office my mother was working in. I was 20, I think, okay? And I had not sold. It was real estate-based and for condominiums and timeshare. And I had not sold in about a month, which was not good. And I worked in the car business. It's not like that where it's like there's a board literally with like everyone's name. And like if you're at the bottom, you feel like like you're you're literally like, I mean, you're the Pittsburgh Pirates in the standings. It's not fun. Right. Um, it wasn't like that. It was a more adult scenario because car sales is boy. I did that six months. That's a special thing. But. I was called into the office of my my boss who has since passed. Was a terrific guy and was it was a great dude, was not a great boss. Great person. And those things can happen. He pulled me into the office. <laughs> and I'm 20, right? And he said, if you don't sell this weekend, and it was, it was the early Saturday morning, and we had all Saturday and all Sunday with clients coming in, right, off leads. I feel like Glengarry Glenn Ross. The leads are weak, you're weak. One of my favorite movies. If I did top 10 movies, in there for sure. I, I took one acting class in college, and the only reason I took it was the final was a monologue, and I got to do the monologue from Alec Baldwin. That is also a true story. Who would admit that? Who cares? Really, screw you. Um, and I still remember it. But I had two days to sell, or else I wouldn't be there on Monday. I remember, and my mother's watching this, she'll remember this. I remember talking to my mother about this. So I had like an hour until like the first person came in. Let me tell you, when I tell you there was no way I could ever sell anything, I couldn't have sold. If you brought in somebody who was like addicted to cheeseburgers and I had all the cheeseburgers I could possibly give you from like All-American in Massapequa or In-N-Out or you know, whatever your place is, right? I couldn't have sold that dude a cheeseburger. I was so nervous and so overboard that I became like the guy who's like begging and that relationship ain't going to work. Right. Because there's no way like the pressure was on so much. It was. So, that's why you see like managers give the vote of confidence for closers. They're not really confident in that guy. We know they're not. They know they're not. What are you going to do? The guy sucks. And if he doesn't get a save tonight, he's gone. They never get a save then. Now, he might not anyway. And I probably would. To be honest with you, I wasn't very good at it. And I probably wouldn't have sold it anyway. But there was no chance. And I was gone. And I was fired. After the weekend. I was so stressed out, and I was 20, and I was so nervous, there was no way I could sell anything. 
couldn't shut my mouth. I mean, all the things you learn in sales, like I mean, and I'm, I'm, I was good at sales. I could have done that for a living and stuck with it, not necessarily in real estate. But I wouldn't have sold anything to anyone because of the pressure. But that's human element. Imagine the pressure an athlete feels when he's in that spot. Now imagine when he's thinking, what if I get cut? What if I don't have a job? What if I'm not good enough? What about the teammates who are looking at me and thinking I'm not good enough? For the guys like the Kevin Loves and the DeMar DeRozans and their others to be admitting that these are things that they felt, good for you. Because probably 80% of every athlete or performer or entertainer, I can't even imagine. Like you and I, like we don't have to deal with that. Like I can't even imagine that. There's no way. Like I have to get a hit? How do you get a hit then? Yeah, I'm gripping the bat too tight? I mean, my God, I'd be like gripping it off. Are you kidding? We don't think about athletes and players in real life. We don't think about humans in real life. We don't care for each other. We don't empathize with anyone. People think they got empathy. You know, it's like if somebody got mad at me, and I, I usually am a tongue-in-cheek guy. I don't like to give, like, serious things. So I, you know— a lot of times, like, if you see me retweet, like, things that people put out, they're always like, what's your favorite song, this? And I, and I like to, like, give, like, like you know, I had something the other day. Somebody was asking about, like, fads and, and snap bracelets, which, do you remember those? My God. And then it came out. Thank God it came out. They were, like, cutting people's arteries. Because, like, really? I got bar Cowabunga, dude. And I'm like, was, I think I was in junior high school. Like, and this thing's fluorescent green matching my hammer parachute pants. What the hell am I wearing? Really? Okay? Like, all of that. But somebody asked the question a couple of days ago, what's one thing that, that young people wouldn't understand? And I wrote empathy. And, and I had people get mad at me. Probably even those who didn't even respond and unfollow. I couldn't, I couldn't help it because it's true. But they're getting that from us if they're that young. And if they're not, they're getting that from the generation before us. They're learning it's not okay to not be okay. So when you grow up that way, then when somebody else is not okay, you don't give a shit. You're not able to go to a support system and say, hey, how do I help them? Because those people are like, get away from them. Run. I had a situation like that in my life where everybody literally, and in hindsight, maybe it was the right thing. They were probably right and I was wrong. But I don't regret it. Probably because I'm an idiot. But I don't regret it because I'm stubborn and an idiot, but also because I refuse to not try and help people. I refuse to give up on humans. It's not who I am. That's why I always laugh, because anybody who's ever, anybody tells you I'm fake, you should know never to hear anything that person ever says to you for the rest of your life, because I am overly way too authentic, way more so than I should be, but way more the other side. I never give up on somebody because they're ill or hurt or sick or going through so ever, ever, never, because they've all given up on me. So I'm not going to give up on you. It's why I'm not going to give up on the opportunity to share. It's why I think, it, you know, hopefully people will respond to this and give me their own stories. And look, we're going to have plenty of pause that I'm going to give. We're going to be funny stories and all kinds of stuff along the way. And I think that stuff's important. You know, and we're going to have plenty of stuff, clearly, obviously, 98% of this is going to be about breaking down sports, and I'll have guests and all of that. But I can't tell you we're going to be unfiltered, and we're going to be different. Because, by the way, here's some more truth you don't want to know. I knew the idea of what I wanted to do for this podcast, and I knew that this was explaining it, this one word. I went, and my agent and I, we looked up, and there were like 17 other shows, podcasts that had unfiltered. 
And I said to him, which is, you know, probably, but I'm always honest. I said, I'm going to make sure that we're the one that they remember and that this word is attributed to me for the rest of my career in life. Because this is the word nobody's willing to be. You know, authentic would be the second word I'd give. It's just not as good, like authentic, not really a title of a show. Nobody's willing to do that. It's not pulling back a curtain. I'm no cooler or better than anybody. I still wake up every day wonder if I'm good enough. Every day. Am I going to get back to where I was on the top? You know, but I know, but I know that I'm trying to be the best person I could be every day. That's all we can do. The minute you accept being good, tell everyone you're good. Tell yourself you're good when you're not. That's when you'll never be great. As long as you understand you got to be better every day and do the best to learn from yourself, even your mistakes, that's all we could do. I'm no hero. And that's understood. All the redemption I can offer beneath this dirty hood. Episode number 33 of Unfiltered coming soon. Get back into baseball. I want to continue with this Life Pod series, and I want you guys to reach out and tell stories. And we're going to have a lot of the people who have gone through anxiety and a bunch of stuff. And if you're not okay with that, then leave. And if I lose some followers because of it, then leave. If you want to sit there and you want to tell me in my own life, you have people knocking on my door telling me, oh, there's something wrong with them, welcome. I'll leave it open for you. Seriously, I don't give a shit, honestly. You know why? Because I know who I am as a person. I know I'm a good father. And I know that I'm trying to be better every day. Let's start bringing that kind of empowerment to each other. Unfiltered. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.